I'm just curious from your perspective and working with athletes and working with, with other leaders in the business world, how crucial is it for anyone, whether they're an elite athlete or a lay person to have a mentor or a leader to guide them in life? The relationships, the people that you surround yourself with more often than not will determine your outcomes in life and you tend to reflect the communities that you're connected to. This is the Next Peak Podcast, where we help you redefine success and achieve goals that are actually important to you based on research and real life stories. Today, I am joined by a very special guest. Darren Gray has agreed to come on today. Darren is the Chief Marketing Officer for Athletes in Action. He's a uh, leadership teacher and speaker across the globe. You've probably seen him in pictures with the likes of Tony Dungy and various other NFL athletes. Uh, He's a minister at the pro level, and I'm just delighted to have him here. Darren, thanks for coming on. My pleasure to be here, Clint. And you are tuning in from Indianapolis. Is that right? I am in Indy today. All right. Getting ready for some other trips, I understand. It does seem to be the nature of the game with 32 teams around the league and what we do, but it's never a dull moment. I was working on a Dallas Cowboys project early this morning, and I was working on a Pittsburgh Steelers project this afternoon. I can uh, suspend my allegiances, although I'm a Colts fan first, uh, and that's how sort of my pathway into the world of the NFL began. I, I certainly am team neutral when it comes to the mental, physical, and spiritual development of the guys that play the game. And I love them all and want to be present in and around the work that they do to help them get to peak performance under peak pressure with peak preparation. So that's the what differentiates most of those guys is they, they're willing to be prepared and find ways to make that leap to the pro level. Yeah, that's incredible. And and I, I alluded to it at the beginning with the intro, and I said that you've been seen in lots of pictures with lots of very well-known athletes. But I think the thing that in following you from afar, what I've differentiated is that a lot of people that are standing next to athletes or trying to get into pictures with athletes, they're just trying to be part of, oh, look at me. I, I stood next to Tony Dungy. Look at me. I was there. But for you, it seems to be this honest, authentic desire to pour into these guys and be part of their life in a positive way. Can you tell me a little bit about that and how you got into where you are now? First of all, I'm glad you noticed. Although I do have some occasional staged pictures with a, a you know, a handshake in front of a backdrop, uh, the ones that, that I love are the ones that tell the story. And that's when I'm having influence in an encounter with an athlete, whether I know them or whether it's a first-time encounter, when those can be captured to tell the story of the unique moment that's been happening. And I always remember what we talked about. My ministry moves at the speed of relationship. And so those relationships uh, are what I believe define who I am. I call it the ministry of availability. Just being present for these guys so that ultimately they can get clear on who they are. And when they understand who they are, they can be more purposeful about what it is they do and why they do it. And so I uh, really enjoy uh, the work 
and have found a comfortable place in and around the world of NFL sports and, and many others, lots of NBA relationships. And there's a lot of uh, entertainers and others that sort of are in and around this ecosystem of pro sports, but it's a joy to do the work that I do and to slow down and listen uh, to the hearts of these men that need to reconcile who they are in the world and the platform they've been given so that they can understand what it is that they need to do to make the most impact in the world. And I imagine that's a bit of a challenge. One, because their identity has always been sport. They grew up playing football. They come up in, into the ranks being a football player or a basketball player. And then also maybe the trust issue or the trust barrier of everybody wants to be part of their life. So how do you convince them that there's life beyond football and that they have a, a rare opportunity to use a platform to make a big difference in the world. Those start with trust and see, I don't need anything from them. So I'm in a unique situation where I've only got good stuff to give. I've got access to relational capital, as well as the ability to take them on special trips and to do special things to enrich their lives. But I don't need their finances and their expertise on the playing field. The sport's not going to help me because I'm not on that playing field every Sunday, but I do learn a lot from them and I listen well and I find ways to just enter into their world and understand their journey and then to figure out what their spheres of influence, where their unique stories can interconnect with the world. And if they can understand who they are, that's their identity. If they can understand their circles of influence, that's where they should be operating. Then they can know what to do and the what becomes of uh, the impact that they want to make in the world. And so my call to them is to start with your family. It starts with your inside game. It starts with what you do at home. And once you get that, then it makes the concentric circles around that a lot easier to define. So we spend a lot of time there working on uh, a faith, working on who they are and understanding ultimately what it is that they need to do to live their best life. And once they get that, then it becomes more and more easy to listen to their stories. You can quickly size up where it is they should be using their influence to create the greatest impact. And that's high leverage. Uh, and so we do it in the business world too. I do this with countless business leaders as well. But in this context, let's stay with the sports stream, because I think that's probably what some of your viewers will be most curious about. Yeah, absolutely. So I was going to ask you later, but I'll just bring it up now since you were talking about the home. Is that kind of what led into this program, the All Pro Dad? It started a little bit before that. I had an encounter with a couple of leaders inside of the Indianapolis Colts organization. I was the general sales manager back in the day when they used to toss something in everybody's front yard each morning. And they called it a newspaper and people read it like 60% of the world all read that. And so in that world, I learned that you could be a community maker by virtue of the content that you publish. And so as the GSM with lots of roles and responsibilities, one of the divisions that I managed among seven divisions was our sports division where we were doing buy sell relationships. We were buying inventory from the teams, tickets, suites, hospitality, et cetera. And then we were selling them communication things if they had tickets to sell or suites to sell, et cetera. So in the middle of that, I began to understand how teams thought because players change, but the teams stay the same. And so when you begin to understand sports and sports philanthropy and that whole world, it becomes pretty easy 
to understand then the men or women uh, that would join in that become the players for whatever, however many seasons they're blessed to play the game. And what I found, that's where my heart was drawn, that it was less about tickets and sponsorships and more about the people behind the game, both in the front office as well as on the playing field. So it started in the front office, and I have a couple of dear friends to this day that both worked for the team, and they just became my dear friends. So this is almost 30 years ago. As I look back now, I'm getting a little bit gray. It was an awesome journey, but it wasn't until 2002 when I really became familiar with how it was that players were beginning to think. And that was through a guy named Tony Dutchy. Some of your listeners may know who that is. He's on Football Night at America. He's a Hall of Fame coach. But Tony had launched a strategy called All Pro Dad. And they invited me to come along with them and help figure out how to get that launched from Tampa to Indianapolis. O2 was when he came to Indy. So with the GSM, I was uniquely equipped to be able to help him with that. I had relationships with banks and other potential sponsors. And so I just poured in and found ways to help get that project moving in Indianapolis. And along the way, I think the fateful day was the day that I wrote a personal check to support that mission. And they go, oh, this guy really actually cares. The truth of the matter was I was using the all pro dad content. I was a father of a young child at that point who was four years old. It was enriching me. Yes, I was in the green room prior to the events. And yes, I was around it at a deeper level, but nonetheless, it was impacting me. And so from there, in a series of God incidences, God made a way that I could start doing some consulting work for All Pro Dad. It's actually the parent company of that is a still high-functioning nonprofit called Family First. It's based in Florida, Mark Merrill. To this day, the, the president of that organization is one of my dearest friends. And so we loved working together, but traveled the country and ran uh, a traveling NFL roadshow all over the country and did stuff with the Super Bowl and the Pro Bowl. And it was a remarkable time. But eventually what I found that I loved even more than those large convenings or programs we were running with the teams was I loved the work with the players. So that's called player development. And the NFL is doing a much better job now about how it is that they're helping to make sure that NFL players and alumni and coaches and family members all have some extra helpful resources so they can stay out of harm's way. They can stay out of trouble as it relates to social media and other things. And for them, what I knew at the time, but didn't fully understand was that every team had an NFL chaplain and somebody had to train those chaplains. I didn't understand how that was working and all the inner workings of that. But as it turns out, there's an enterprise called Athletes in Action, which I'm now chief marketing officer for, that develops this chaplaincy strategy for the league. There are certainly many other ways that teams can acquire chaplains, fellowship of Christian athlete. There are some independent chaplains, but a lot of that training and development happens through AI, one of the many people that lead inside of that world and have become very disciplined about how it is that we make sure that teams are surrounded with the support that they need, especially the social and the spiritual dimensions of the game. We'll leave the physical dimensions at the pro level to the pro coaches. But as we go down deeper into the world of sport, we've got many, the physical dimension, we're training, speech, strength, agility, load, explode, drive. We've got some sophisticated strategies that we use, especially at the elementary, middle, 
high school levels for the training that we do. But that's more than you want to know. We're going to talk about pro athletes, and that gives you a little snapshot of how I got into the world through the Indianapolis Colts. That's awesome. And you talked about Tony, you brought him up, Tony Dungy. Kind of how did that relationship come about? Was it just through the All-Pro Dad? And then what impact has he had in your life personally? Oh, thanks for asking that. Tony's become a dear friend. And we did a virtual chaplaincy strategy two weekends ago. He was in New England um, for an away game for the Patriots. I was in Cincinnati leading a retreat. We were honoring a man named Paul, and I won't go into all the details, but a large convening and finding a way just to speak life uh, and honor a person and, and do a project. And so Tony and I have had a long history. We've done hundreds of different projects and programs together. Some are highly, some are so quiet that no one will ever know. And, uh, but I've had some remarkable private jet experiences with Tony. Some of my favorite moments are flying from here to there and just reflecting on who we are as men, usually in, in a private setting, there's four as a quad seats, two facing one way, two facing another. And I don't deserve to fly that way, but from time to time, I have had the good fortune to be able to do that in order to steward Tony's time really wisely. His time is really valuable. And so when you understand that he understands what his influence is, what his impact can be, and that he wants to do the things that he's uniquely qualified for, then it becomes my job to be very attuned to those things that only Tony can do best. Because Tony could speak it every day of the year, literally. The inbound requests are unbelievable. And so what attuned to do is to listen for the right ones and then find some ways to help to shape those. So he's uh, just a, a dear friend and somebody that I admire greatly. And he's a real hero in, in a lot of settings. There was a study done a couple of years ago. And according to the study, the question was, who is the most influential Christian leader in America? And Billy Graham was still living. And as he should be, Billy Graham was number one. Wouldn't the number two most influential as a Christian man in the world, Christian leader in the world was Tony Dungy. And it didn't surprise me knowing him as well as I do. And truth be told, the Davy Brown index, which is an index for celebrity matching to see what celebrities should go with what causes or what brands and commercials and such. Tony is known by 78% of Americans on site. Think about that. You can't go anywhere uh, without eight out of 10 people knowing who you are. So it takes fame to another level. And he is such a gracious steward of that. And he's the same, whether he's with the president of the United States or whether he's with a, a young child that's excited to meet him. He's the same. And that is what makes him really remarkable. I call it the superpower of humility and calm assurance, confidence. He calls it quiet strength. And those two things together are what makes him so remarkable. And those are the kind of leaders that I love to follow, men that are confident and yet at the same time, they're humble and you can just uh, know that and just who they really are. And that's what I aspire to be. And that's, that's why I love Tony. Yeah. He seems like a pretty incredible guy. I haven't had, obviously I haven't had the opportunity to meet him, but I've read 
at least one of his books and just followed his career. Just a really remarkable guy, at least from the outside and sounds like from the inside as well. So that, that's really cool to hear. You touched on it a little bit and that the NFL has done a really good job of starting to help players develop off the field as well as on the field. And it gets into this idea of mentoring and character development. And I'm just curious from your perspective and working with athletes and working with, with other leaders in the business world, how crucial is it for anyone, whether they're an elite athlete or a layperson, to have a mentor or a leader to guide them in life? The relationships, the people that you surround yourself with more often than not will determine your outcomes in life, and you tend to reflect the communities that you're connected to. And the NFL Justice Week, their playbook, their character's called Character Playbook. It's phenomenal. It's really well done. I'm so blessed to uh, be kind of an insider in some of these spaces, but they've worked really hard to codify a lot of the things that they've learned inside the teams and then translate those so that they can be used in schools across America. And that resource is available through the United Way, and it's an awesome sauce uh, compilation of what young people need to know. And a lot of that comes down to relationships and making sure that they have the right kind of mentoring, the guides that they need. One of the things that I find amusing in America is that we don't have a good word for the recipient. Of mentoring, they're a mentee. It, it just, that, that word doesn't make sense to me. So I tend to use the word protege. A protege means somebody that you're coming alongside over time. It's not a singular issue. It's over time. And so as we mentor our proteges and we come alongside them and we're, we're meeting them in the four dimensions that Tony and I talk about academic, athletic, social, and spiritual, and we're addressing all of those and helping them to right-size who they are, to understand that opportunity favors the prepared mind. Like, we got to get ready. We got to prepare. And how we do that really is what our character is built upon. And so for me, helping young people, whether they're pro athletes or uh, doing the outreaches into the community, like I did this last week with the Colts, with thousands of people down on the field after the game and finding ways to pour into their lives with pro athletes. It's a joy to do the work that I do. Guides matter, but when they happen to be really high profile guides, like they're mentoring from afar, like that's not an authentic protege relationship. So that's where you come in. That's where men uh, need to step up and start not just fathering their own children. They need to father their neighbor's children. And they need to answer the question, who are the people that I need to invest in? And I've got countless authentic stories that I could tell you about those things. But to answer your question, mentoring is so critical to the success of our nation. It always has and it always will be. And I just pray that we can continue to lift up the next generation and and get them ready for the success and the significance that lies beyond it. And if somebody hears that and they say, okay, that's awesome. How do I find a mentor? What would be the way that somebody could dial in and find their mentor? Yeah. So that's a super important question. And I spend a lot of time in my talks with young people talking about how critical it is that you identify 
men, if you were a male, uh, men in your life that you look up to and that it's your responsibility as an aspiring protege to reach out to an older man, ideally 10 or more years older than you, that you can say, hey, I need help. Those are the magic words. That's all you have to say. And no right-minded, God-fearing man is going to say no to somebody that comes to them with, with a spirit of learning and a spirit of, I just want to get better. Uh, nobody's going to turn that down and they're going to come around you, but you have to look around in your community. You've got to put yourself in the position to where men of influence are, and then you got to be bold and you got to go grab them by the arm. I heard you talk at this thing. I saw you speak. I, I noticed you and you've got to put yourself out there and ask for the support that you need. Look, I did it when I was young. And I challenge young people to do it. What I say is you can't just sit back and magically expect that somebody's going to show up in your life and say, man, I've been waiting to mentor. It just may not happen. And so you've got to put yourself in position to win. Remember what I said earlier, opportunity favors the prepared mind. You got to get prepared. You got to put yourself in position to win. And that looks an awful lot like going to places where high character adults that are at least 10 years older than you are gathering. Hey, you're smart, you're resourceful, figure it out. But at the end of the day, you've got to take responsibility for your own growth and development to find the mentors that can help to get you where it is that you know that you need to go. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Looking back at your experiences with the teams or in pro sports or working with anybody, do you have a favorite story? And you don't have to name names if you don't want to, but just somebody that maybe you started working with that wasn't in a great spot that by the time you guys had developed relationship and developed trust, that you just saw them kind of blossom and become the, the human, the person that God created them to be. So many, the person that came immediately to mind, I won't name, uh, but all pro running back, all of your listeners would be familiar with who he is, but really wrestling with who he was since the time that we, he was in second grade. He was always favored in every situation. And he was a diminutive guy. Sometimes the running backs in the NFL, by the way, they're not all giant. Now, his, his legs were super well-developed, but he was super fast. And he just had not surrounded himself with enough great people. And for whatever the reason, the timing was in, I had a pathway into his life with a favored status of trust that we talked about trust earlier, how critical that is. And as a result of that, I've seen him grow in ways that are really remarkable. And I, I remember, uh, driving around with him, we were in his car top was down. We were in Atlanta, Georgia. That's the only clue I'm going to give people. We were in Atlanta driving around very well known. And we drove past Martin Luther King Boulevard. Now in Atlanta, Martin Luther King Boulevard is actually Martin Luther King Boulevard. And uh, Dr. King's home and the centers was just off to the right. And there's a football field that's out in the middle. And it was a hundred percent non-majority culture, young men being co coached by black coaches. And I said, I said, we should stop. We should stop and just take a minute and uh, spend time with these people and he immediately pulled the car over we got out 
we went and proceeded to spend the next 30 minutes with these young people, with these coaches, teaching what it was that we had been working on for quite some time. And those are the kind of public demonstrations that lead me to know, okay, he was prepared, prepared enough to say, look, I'll take this moment, this battle of leadership, I'll step in and I'm willing to go lead. And that for me is just a quick story that comes to mind in and around of the human potential, not only of him, but of me too, because I just teach what I most need to learn. I need my heart filled up too. I need Ben in my life. I need Dr. Andy's, uh, and yourself and others to say, you know what? You matter too. Your work matters. And it's a, a very heartening way to make a life and to make a living. And that's the one that comes to mind today. No, that's awesome. That's got to be very rewarding when you see something or somebody that you invested in really come to life like that. So switching gears a little bit. So speaking of Dr. Andy, he gave me some insight on a question that I'm curious about. It has nothing to do with the NFL, but he said that uh, you actually got to be present at the Berlin Wall coming down. And I'm curious what that experience was like and, and how that impacted you as a person. That's a whole lot of wow. And that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> oh my gosh. So the rest of the story was I had just graduated uh, from college and my girlfriend at the time was uh, a year behind me. and She was going to go study in Germany and I didn't think it'd be that big of a deal. I moved to Nashville, Tennessee. I enrolled at Vanderbilt uh, to get my master of divinity and was moving toward that pathway. Now, I already told you I went to the media business, so it didn't play out the way that I thought that it might, but I ended up just being super lonely and I wanted to go see her. So I bought a one-way ticket to Frankfurt, Germany to go see her after about four months of being apart. And it just so happened that the Berlin Wall falls down. So if you're in Germany and the Berlin Wall falls, what do you do? You, you go to Berlin. Yeah. You go to Berlin. So this is just so true of a story. I jumped in this little car with one English speaking American who was also uh, fully fluent in German and two Palestinian dissidents that were like had escaped from the Israeli government. And they were living in this little enclave at this college near Frankfurt. And the four of us traveled to Berlin. It was so cold. It was crazy cold, but it was the high call of freedom. And I was there within hours of it all happening. I was one of the guys with the sledgehammer banging on the wall. I still have upstairs huge chunks of the wall. One of my signature things at that time, I would nail little pieces of the wall to, to people and with a little story of what was happening. But I tell you, the high call of freedom, it's amazing. What will you do to be free? It's amazing. And so now think about it. The work that I do fast forward many years is help people to get truly set free, mm -hmm. right? To find the eternal relationship with the Lord. That's what I do with a lot of my work. But you learn an awful lot about yourself when you're in Berlin and the wall falls. What are you going to do? Are you going to cower in fear? Or are you going to go do the bold thing? And we didn't know what was going to happen. There's dogs, there's guns, there's guards. It was crazy, but we, it was faith over fear. Hey, let's go see what's happening. And it was a remarkable time that I'll never, plenty of lessons and 
plenty of stages. I've recounted some of those uh, stories, but thanks for asking. That's a, a, a neat time of my life that I love to reflect upon. I bet. Yeah, I bet that makes for great storytelling during your leadership talks and the different discussions that you have. Okay, so we're just about wrapping up. I have two more questions for you. One is, if you were to look back at your life journey, what's one thing that you hope people would learn from Darren Gray? I touched on it a little bit earlier around the relational call. Like in business, everybody's trying to scale everything. Let's scale, let's go fast. But what's the old Indian adage? If you want to go fast, go alone. You want to go far, go together. And I value together. I'm an extrovert by nature, right? Even conversations like this fuel me. It's uh, awesome. Uh, But at times we need to slow it down and we need to be present with people and we need to prioritize them. And then we want to be prioritized in return and find out uh, that relationships really do matter. I think uh, it was Chuck Knoll that said it this way. He was the great Steelers head coach, one of only three head coaches for the Steelers, which is remarkable because a lot of teams have had a lot more coaches than that. But he said, champions aren't champions because they do extraordinary things. Champions are champions because they do the ordinary things better than anyone else. And that to me speaks volumes. Like, how is it that I can be defined? I can be known as a guy that's willing to slow down, prioritize people, let relationships matter be present. And when I'm there, I'm fully there. And then yes, on to the next thing. But in the moment, there's nothing that matters more than our conversation today. And uh, I've so enjoyed getting to know you and uh, your great questions have been inspiring to me. I appreciate that, Darren. One last question, and then I'll I'll ask you for your uh, parting shot if you have one. But the one question I always like to ask incredible leaders like yourself is, about how you feed yourself. And that would be the, what are your top three books that you've read and why should everybody read those? Yeah. The books that really shaped my life. And I doubt many of your readers will have read one of them. It's called Celebration of Discipline. Mm, it's read that. powerful. Have you heard of it? I've read it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Tremble, man. And I know that we have a common fate. That book, I've got to be with that author and spend time. But that was the most formative book for me and really taught me to think about the whole of me, how it is that I'll feed my own soul, uh, rest and reflection. Uh, so that was super important. Catcher in the Rye, to me, you want to know my most natural style, just a little bit quirky, a little bit off for sure, but always thinking, always reflecting. And so I love that book for sure. And I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you the book that's right here closest to the Bible, uh, that's right here on, you know, literally as I go, I was teaching from it earlier today and that book is constantly feeding me. In fact, the verse that I was teaching from to just bring this all home, it says in Psalms, I don't need the bowls that you sacrifice. I don't need the blood of the goats. What I want instead is your true thanks to God. I want you to fulfill your vows to the most high. Trust me in your times of trouble. I will rescue you and you will give me glory. It's this little formula. Like we think we're constantly, we've got to sacrifice this. Yes, Christian faith is about sacrifice and I don't want to mislead, uh, but 
it's not so much about that. He wants my heart. He wants your heart and those of your viewers. So it's less about the sacrifice of something and it's more of just loving him for who he is and being willing to prioritize the most high in your life. And I love the formula at the end, trust in me in your times of trouble and I'll rescue you and then you will give me glory. Mm. And that is so true in this time, this kind of pandemic uh, world. And my mom died of COVID a few months ago. It's horrible. And yet, while she wasn't rescued physically, she was rescued and restored in an eternal sense. I know I'll see her again. And it gives me hope that I don't have to wrestle with all of the earthly things. I can have a strong confidence in the Lord to know that things are going to work together for his higher purposes. So that'll be my third book and bring together some closing thoughts to all at once. I think that's very powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And sorry to hear about the loss of your mom. Gosh, Darren. I, I feel like we could just sit and chat for hours. I talking with Andy, he he warned me that you were going to have so much good information that I was going to want to keep going, but I want to make sure I respect your time. Any last parting shots? Yeah, I, I know you just dropped some incredible nuggets there. Is there anything else that you want to tell our, our listeners? Make good decisions today and know that people love you. There are people around you that love and care about you. And whether you feel that love or not, uh, you can go seek it out and let people know you're hurting, you're lonely, let them know you're struggling inside. And that's where real healing happens when you are authentic and transparent with people. And it's so hard to do, but it's so true. So my strong encouragement to anybody listening in is just take the time to love somebody today. And I'll close with this. I teach a simple exercise. Uh, which is to take your phone out and I love you because I believe in you because I'm proud of you because those three simple phrases, I love you because I'm proud of you because I believe in you because whichever one inspires you. And if you hear this podcast, when you get done, stop what you're doing, say, heard a remarkable podcast and I love you because, uh, and then fill in the blank. And oftentimes people will say to me, they'll say, I thought you should love them unconditionally and, and, and you should, and I do. But when you tell people and you anchor a thought stream with them for what it is that they did, that you're loving them about in the moment, then don't you think they're going to be inclined to do more of that? Don't you think they're going to be inspired by you telling them what you're proud of? The specificity brings forward God's sanctity. He brings forward the truth in the middle of that. And so I just hope that uh, all your listeners are inspired by your good work through this outreach, which is done in a podcast form. Somebody was just got done riding a stationary bike or running on a treadmill, their heart rates up and they can stop for just a minute. I love you because I believe in you because I'm proud of you because send a pride text, send a belief text, send a love text, let somebody know that you care. And in return, you won't be disappointed because more than likely you're going to get a response back and that response will be, I'm so thrilled to hear from you. And isn't that what we all want? Just genuine relationships, being there for people and ultimately being the kind of leaders that we're called to be in our, in our families and our communities and our states in the nation and in the world. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Darren. Hey, Gang out there listening, guys and gals, if you loved what you saw or what you heard here today from Darren, you can catch up with him. His website is darrengray.com. 
I believe he's also on all kinds of social media as well. And if you don't, if you have trouble finding him, if you look for pictures of Tony Dungy, you'll probably find a picture there <laughs> next to him inevitably. But this has been a lot of fun. Obviously, some great wisdom that Darren shared today. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, download it, and share it with a friend. You can always uh, catch up with Parker Houston and I, my co-host at the podcast website, which is nextpeakpodcast.com. Until next time, keep climbing your next peak. <laughs>